welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Moses is an example of someone who lived consistently in the faith and confidence that God is exactly who God says that he is. Now, I didn't say he did it perfectly because Moses had some faith crisis at times. There there were times when he struggled with believing that God could use him. <laughs> there was times that he, he, he even just plain disobeyed God. But when you look at the life of Moses, he consistently and faithfully followed Almighty God and believed that God, even, even at those points of failure, he believed that God was who God says he is and he followed him and he trusted him and then God was able to take an ordinary man just an ordinary guy and use him in an extraordinary way and you know God can do that with you also in fact God finds great delight in taking ordinary people and using them in extraordinary ways. Now, when you think about the life of Moses, though, it could have been so different. In fact, probably Moses should never have been who we know him to have been. He should have been aborted. Or at least the victim of infanticide. And yet, his, his mama, Jochebed, I was asking Wanda as we were getting ready to come here today, I said, I've never looked up the meaning of her name, Jochebed. And that would be an interesting study to find out. She's an amazing lady. <coughs> Moses could have been bitter and angry at God. Because of the life where he grew up. He grew up around slavery. And, and some may go, well, but he didn't have to because he was raised in Pharaoh's home. I want to remind you that while Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, he was given back to Jochebed to be nursed and trained until he was of school age. So he he lived in the context of that slave culture. Now, that didn't he didn't become resentful and bitter there. But then when he was school age, he was raised entirely in a pagan culture, going to pagan schools that taught the worship of of idols and totally pagan dark witchcraft sorcery culture. Kind of sounds like America. And yet that did not deter him. 
Because what mama had instilled in him was so great. Jochebed had to be an amazing woman. She shaped in that young man a strong enough faith that even through all that education, he didn't turn. He believed God. And dear ones, that should give us hope and encouragement in our culture today. In fact, in a few weeks, I'm going to show you a movie. Sunday morning sermon is going to be a movie. We, we, we do that here once every couple of three years. I want to show you a movie on a man who was selected to be the teacher of the year some years ago as a man of God. In fact, after he retired, after 20-some years of teaching, he's been pastoring now for 30 years. But it's a story. The movie is entitled Molder of Dreams. And I want you to see, because we must have at the heart and core of Living Faith Church the full commitment and belief that one of our greatest responsibilities is to teach and train and raise up the next generation to be mighty in spirit, to stand in a pagan culture. has to be. Folks, we are not just... Well, you heard last week when, when you saw the sermon from Pastor Wanda and Samantha last week done just the way they do it in Super Kids. We're not entertaining. We are making disciples. We'll tell you more about that in a couple of weeks. Moses that probably should not have even lived. Moses, that could have been resentful, bitter, angry because of the, of the way that, that, uh, that his people were treated. Moses, that could have gone pagan through all of that, believed God. And God took an ordinary guy and did extraordinary things. I'm really missing my amen corner down front here today. All my teenagers. I'm preparing to write a new blog. I've been tweeting about it the last couple of days. And it's very much a part of where we're going in, as we finish up this series on choices that will revolutionize your life. I hear over and over again that this is the Joshua generation. But dear ones, the only way it can be a Joshua generation is there have to be thousands of Moses who will rise up and be mentors who know how to get face to face with God, who know how to live in the glory of Almighty God, who will fast and pray and go to the mountain of God and then live it out and mentor the next generation. That's right. It doesn't just happen. But we can. We can. We can see the teenagers and the children that we have right now. Folks, they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church now. That's why we have junior deacons in Super Kids Church. That's why we have leadership training in Fusion, our teen ministry. It is because we are believing we are raising up the church right now. These young people can be mighty in God. They can speak prophetically. They can be used in the gifts of the Spirit. They are the church. 
And okay, they're the Joshua generation. Well, let's live for them then and be Moses to them and train them and show them and model for them how to walk mighty in God and watch God do extraordinary things through just ordinary people. Plumbers, secretaries, contractors, farmers, truck drivers, homemakers, retired folks. By the way, to all our retired ones, you know what that means. God's given you a new set of Michelin, so get up and go. Okay, I'm being silly. I apologize. We see something amazing in, in the life of Moses that I want to share with you. And, and uh, I, better, I better get out my, my phone here so that I am gracious to you with time today. But let me, because this, this is so big in my heart. I, I could speak to you for the next two hours about this. I'm going to do a couple of messages on this. About choosing to believe that God is who he says he is. But I, w- I want to just share a couple of nuggets with you that it happens when Moses encounters God at the burning bush. And if, if, if you do a careful study, you'll discover that it was Jesus, pre-incarnate Jesus in the burning bush talking to Moses. And I think it's kind of significant that that happens there and then... A millennia later, they're on the mountain talking. And there's some, some interesting parallels there that, that we don't have time to go into today. But as he's encountering, listen to what God says to him. God says to him, I have seen and I've heard the cry of my people. It wasn't catching God by surprise. God God saw what was going on. He saw what was happening. He saw how Pharaoh was aborting babies and, and, and committing infanticide. He saw how they were being treated as slaves. He saw that. And he remembered his covenant with them. He saw it. He saw it. His, he saw it. But he not only saw, he heard the cry of his people. His ear was open to the cry. He heard their crying. And I want you to know, God sees you. Let me share some scriptures with you. The first one is found in Psalm 139, 17 and 18. I I absolutely love this passage of scripture. Psalm 139. It's, all, it's talking about how God is aware of everything in your life. Even before you were, you were in the womb, he had you written in a book. He knew about you. He knew your name. And I've had some say, well, not mine. My parents made up my name. Who do you think inspired them to make it up? Who gave them the whole idea? 
Where did they get it from? Well, they just thought it up. No, no, no. Father dropped it in their heart. He had it written in a book, everything about you. He knew how tall you would be, how short you would be, how wide you would be, how narrow you would be. He knew everything about you, the color of your eyes. He knew the time you would be born, the day you would be born, what nation you would be born in. He knew your skin color. He knew everything about you. He had it all written in a book. You are not an accident. And if God had that blueprint written down, that also means he has a purpose and a destiny for your life. And the blueprint fits the purpose and destiny perfectly. And then he says this. How great are thy thoughts unto me, O Lord. How vast are the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. And you've heard me share it with you before. You've got to hear it again. Okay, so you're over at, you're over at Cannon Beach. And you lean down and you pick up a handful of sand. How many grains? How many grains in your palm? Hmm? Oh. <laughs> okay. So now, stand there and look as far north and as far south. How many grains of sand in your eyesight? That's how many times in a single day you're in the mind of God. How great is your God? How great is your God? How great is your God? The prophet Jeremiah said that I know the thoughts I think of you, right? For good and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. But he didn't stop there. He said, And if you cry to me, I will hear you. You're in his thoughts. He hears your cry. But then the prophet Hanani said to King Asa, he said, the eyes of the Lord are ever going to and fro across the earth looking for the righteous who are loyal to him. Why? That he might show himself mighty on their behalf. So he thinks of you. He sees you. He hears your cry. There is never a moment that you're out of his care. Never a moment. There's never a moment. Do you know what? We have to believe that. We have to be willing to believe that. Could you go to the next slide for me, please? We have to be willing to believe that. Mark 11, 22 to 24. Jesus, our Lord himself, is talking. And he's talking about that if you have faith, you can say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. 
right? They said you got to believe. You got to believe that what you say has that kind of authority and power. You got to believe. You got to you got to believe. Believing is not just intellectually knowing. I know I, I know there's a God. It's not just it's not just mental assent. That, yeah, the Bible is God's word and there really is a living God. It's more than that. It's more than that. It's not just saying, oh, yeah, I learned that in Sunday school. Or, yeah, I've heard that read. See, that's all mental assent. But believing is where you make a transfer of trust. Believing is where you place your total confidence in I'll give you an illustration. How many of you, when you came here this morning, before you sat down, you checked out that chair and made sure all the welds were good, everything was good, good, that chair was going to hold you, before you sat down? Did anybody here check their chair out before they sat down? Nah, you just came in and sat down. Put your whole rest on that chair. God wants you to throw yourself on Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust him. Oh, listen to how Jesus said it. I want, to, I want to read it to you. Listen to how he said it. It's in the scripture. Mark 11. I thought I had it in my notes. I don't have it written down in my notes. Mark 11, 22 to 23. Jesus talks about believing. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Though He gave us some really important instruction. Listen to what he said. He said, Those that come to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Believe that he is. Believe that he is who he says he is. But also believe he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And there's where a rub comes in. Because so many times we, we can be, oh yeah, well God would do that for them. Well yeah, God did that in the Bible. Well, oh yeah, God will do that for them. But to believe, will God be a rewarder to you? When you, when you cry out, will he hear you and touch you? When you seek him, will he allow himself to be found by you? Will he answer your prayer? Your prayer. See, that, that's trust and confidence. Now, next week, we're going to look at how sometimes in our seeking and believing God, we will go through a season and it's like God is completely silent and he's nowhere around. Ever been there? Yeah. Ever been there? Uh-huh. Yeah. We've all been there. Where is God then? 
And Moses faced that. And we're going to talk about that next week because many times that will become a roadblock in our believing and trusting him. Because we go, wait a minute, what's up with God doing this? Have you ever had somebody ask you, if God's a good God and if God loves me, then how come he let this happen? Been there? Yeah. We're going to look at that next week because that's such a significant part of being able to believe that God really is who he says he is. And being able to trust him through that. Believe that he is and believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now I want to go to a psalm and I want to read this entire psalm to you because it is a description of God that is so amazing. And you need this in your heart today. And this is where we're going to close. King David wrote this psalm. You know, when you read the life of David, and David really messed up sometimes. But he had such a heart after God. And sir, can I tell you, you need to learn from David. Because there are several of you men, you believe in God, you come to church some, but you're not walking as close as you could and you should because you see yourself as such a mess up and you can't see yourself walking with God like that. Well, can I tell you, there is no one in this room that is a bigger mess up than the guy speaking to you right now. In fact, when I first became a Christian, it would have been really beneficial if they would have just put a saddle on the altar and tied me in the saddle. I, I was always missing. Well, part of the reason was I grew up loving music and I grew up loving dancing. And so I was really going to walk with God and then... Paul Revere and the Raiders would come to town. <laughs> you know, I was really going to walk with God. And then the Sonics or the Whalers would be in town. And I'm down at the Coliseum dancing my heart out. And then with a chick, we're not going to go any further. But just, but I come back to the altar. And I thank God I had a pastor that loved me. A youth leader that loved me and walked me through. And I shared with you a couple of Sundays ago, July 3rd, 1964, I gave my life to Christ. July 1967, three years. Back at that same camp, Sanders Camp, Idaho, that same old big huge bull pine altar. Weeping, giving my eyes, I got sanctified, man. I got up from that altar and I knew I'd walked away from it. Never dreaming, that was in July, never dreaming that in January at my first duty station in the Air Force, all night prayer meeting from nine at night till three in the morning, I said, yes, I will preach your gospel. I'll do that, God. I'll stop pursuing music. I'll pursue your ministry. If God can take someone like me, like King David, Sir, it's easy for him to take your life and take an ordinary man like you 
and do extraordinary things through your life. Look at who David says God is. Psalm 145. And I, I have it, I don't normally put scripture up on the screen, but I purposely put this up on the screen because I wanted you to be able to follow along with me as I read this. Psalm 145, beginning in verse 1. I will extol you, my God, O King. He's our King, King Jesus. Lift up the gates, amen? amen? And I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. There's the Joshua generation. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts. And I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and sing of your righteousness. That is the core of how we choose our worship music here. I don't want just touchy-feely and I don't want it to be about I, I, I. Our worship is to the great King. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. Don't fear him, child. But I've messed up. I know. And, and you'll probably get some discipline. Because God disciplines his children. Those he loves, he disciplines. But I want to tell you, when he disciplines, it's with compassion, it's with mercy, and it's not to punish you, it is to restore you, to reconcile you, and help you walk victorious. Don't fear his hand. Love his hand. And love his discipline. Come on. Amen? Oh, God, you are so good. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. Come on, saints, bless him. Come on, bless him. Bless him. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Mm. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you and you give them their food in due season. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I was young and now I'm old. 
But I have never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. Ever. Oh, I could spend two hours telling you how God has miraculously provided for us over the years. Your open hand and satisfy, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. See, there's the reality. There's a real hell. There's a real eternal lake of fire. And there will be real people who will spend forever and ever and ever in the lake of fire. But I want to tell you, to get there, they had to run through God's mercy and grace again and again and again and again and again. And God doesn't send anyone to hell on the lake of fire. They choose to go there by rejecting his love, mercy, and grace. And you don't have to be one of them. You don't have to be one of them. You can make that choice today, right now, here, sitting here. Jesus, I'm going to choose to serve you. Jesus, come live in my heart. Jesus, forgive me of everything I've ever done wrong. And come live in me, Jesus. See, don't have to. Because he loves the righteous ones. His heart is ever open to the righteous ones. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh shall bless his holy name. How long? Forever and ever. That's your God. That is who he is. That is who he is. And next Sunday, we're going to see how that he promised. I not only have heard and seen, but I'm going to come and deliver. And, and the very word, Nasal in Hebrew for deliver. It has both a present and a future promise to it. And it, it's exciting. We're going to look. Because God said to Moses, I will come and deliver. Now think about that. Who was that in the burning bush? He said, I will come and deliver. And he did in 1446 B.C. But then in 2 B.C., he came a second time to deliver his people. And the Virgin Mary. And then he is coming again. This is your God. This is your God. This is your God. This is your God. And he is here right this moment. Would you stand with me, please? 
We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.